We learned in the first mission of the Perek that wood, which is in storage and set aside for use in building, cannot be used on Yom Tov for the sake of fueling a fire. Reason being that it's usually much more expensive wood, and therefore one would not intend to use it for firewood. It's set aside for use in building, and building is certainly forbidden on Yom Tov, and therefore the wood is considered to be Muktza. This is known as Muktzmach Maschesor and Kiss, something which is Muktza because it's so valuable that the owner would not want to use it for anything other than its designated purpose. So the Mishnah repeats this law in order to tell us the law after that. Firstly, it is forbidden to chop wood if it has beams which are set aside for building, and as well as that, one can also not chop or even just take and carry one of these boards, even if it was broken on Yom Tov. And so once it's already broken, it's not going to be used for building, and now the only real use for it is to use it as firewood. Nevertheless, it is still considered to be Mukta because of the very important rule which applies to Mukta, and that is Migudis Katsoi Bein Hashemoshais is Katsoi Lukala That since it was Mukta during twilight as Shabbos or Yom Tov began, it remains Mukta for the remainder of that day. Meaning whether something is Mukta or not is decided based on the time that Shabbos or Yom Tov begins, irrelevant of what occurs after that. Now if these beams broke before Yom Tov began, then it would be permitted to chop them on Yom Tov for the sake of firewood. And although this is not directly involved in preparing for food, this is Machshir Eichel Nefesh, it's something that you're doing for the sake of being able to prepare for food. It's a step removed. And whether Machshir Eichel Nefesh may be performed on Yom Tov is subject to debate, as we have seen once in the Masechta already. However, in this case, everybody would agree that you are allowed to chop the wood on Yom Tov, as long as it was not Mukta, and this is because of the rule of Beis Hillel of Metoich. That since you would be able to chop, for example, meat, so you are also allowed to chop wood, even if it is not for the sake of direct food preparation. Now the Mishnah says, even in a case where the wood is not mukta, there are still restrictions on how you can chop the wood. One cannot chop it with an axe, nor with a saw, nor with a sickle, which is some sort of moon-shaped blade, a particular type of very sharp knife. Using these things is considered a weekday activity, and a bakoifitz, rather one should use a meat chopper, a special tool designed for cutting meat. And the Gemara explains that actually this meat chopper has two sides to it. One side of the knife is much wider, and one is much finer and sharper. So the Gemara says that you can only use the sharper, finer side, because that would be a very significant difference to the regular tool which is used for cutting wood. And so that is considered to be a significant shinui, a difference in the manner in which something is performed, and so that way it will be permitted on Yom Tov. The second half of the Mishnah concerns a particular type of mukta, known as Muktzmachmas Isur. Muktzmachmas Isur refers to something which at the time that Shabbos or Yom Tov began, the only way you could have used that item was by transgressing an Avera, by violating Shabbos. So for example, Baizshoyamole Peiris, a house or a building, perhaps just one large room, which is full of produce, full of fruit, and it's totally sossum. It's totally closed off, there's no way to get in, other than by breaking down one of the walls. So at the time that Yom Tov began, it was totally closed off, and it would be forbidden to break into the wall. That would be demolishing, which is forbidden on both Shabbos and Yom Tov. So this is an example of Muktzmachmas Isur. Now in this case, Vinifchas, a hole was made in the wall during the course of Yom Tov, and now it's possible to just reach in and take some of the fruit. 
The question is, is the fruit considered muktza or not? So this would be a classic case of muktza machmas isur. That when Yom Tov began, the only way one could have accessed and moved the fruit would be by violating an avera. However, in the case of our Mishnah, the bricks or the stones which made up the walls were not actually cemented. It was just a pile of lots of bricks piled one on top of the other, but just by moving one of the bricks, you could have opened up the wall. Now, Midrabonon, it is still forbidden to move one of the bricks. It is considered like demolishing the wall. However, Midoraisa, it's totally permitted, because you're not really demolishing anything since it wasn't stuck together at all. And this Mishnah teaches us a very important condition for something to be considered Muktzamachmas Isur, and that is that it's only considered Muktzamachmas Isur if the transgression which one would have had to violate when Yom Tov began in order to access that thing would be an Avera Midoraisa. However, since over here, it would only be violating Shabbos Midrabanon, that's all you need to do in order to access or move the fruit. So it is not considered to be Muktzamachmas Isur, and therefore, Netom Kemapchas, it is permitted to take fruit from the place where the hole is, and the fruit is not considered to be mukta. Now, Rimeir takes this a step further, and Rimeir says, One may even make the hole himself originally, and take the fruit. According to Rimeir, there is not even a prohibition of demolishing if the bricks are not stuck together. However, according to everyone, a very important rule comes out of this Mishnah, and that is that Muktzah Mahmas Isur applies only if the transgression which one would have to violate would be Mid-Eraisa. Mishnah one of the forms of work which is forbidden on both Shabbos and Yom Tov is Makibapatish, which refers to completing something and doing the last stage to form a particular product, a particular item. And one way to violate this Avera is known as Tikkun Mona, which refers to either making or repairing a utensil. If you make something which is going to have a particular use to it, you make a new utensil that is forbidden under the category of work known as makabapatish. And so the Mishnah gives three examples of that. Two which are forbidden with Eraisa and one which is forbidden with Jabanon. Firstly, in Prishkhanas Haner, it is forbidden to open up something for the sake of a lamp. So you would take a ball of clay and make a sort of hole in it or dig a bit into that ball of clay in order to allow it to contain oil, which you would pour in and use that clay th- that clay utensil as a lamp. Nair in the Mishnah pretty much always refers to not the candle itself, and not the flame itself, but to the container in which the oil goes and the wick goes inside of that, and then you light the wick. But the nair itself refers to the container, the lamp, which contains both the oil and the wick. So it's forbidden to form a lamp, because that is considered to be making a new utensil. Even though you didn't add anything onto the clay, you just pressed it a bit, it now functions as a new utensil, as a lamp. Secondly, it's forbidden to make charcoal on Yom Tov by making coals burn. Even though there's not much use to charcoal, certain professional workers do use it. For example, those who process gold use charcoal, so it's considered to be a useful utensil and therefore is called tikkun mona and it is forbidden to eraisa under the category of work called makabapatish. Now the third example of the mission is forbidden to jabonon because it appears like you are making a new utensil, even though all you are doing is just splitting a utensil into two. And that is, it is forbidden to cut a wick. If you have a long wick, it's forbidden to cut it into two wicks. Even though technically speaking, all you're doing is cutting it in half. It's true you're going to have two wicks now, but you yourself are not creating a new utensil. Nevertheless, it is forbidden with Jabonon. Now, Yehuda provides a slight leniency 
Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, You can cut it using fire into two different wicks, which would then be lit immediately. And the Gemara explains that you would have two lamps with oil inside of them, and you would have this long wick, which you place one end into one lamp and the other end into the other lamp. And then you set fire to the middle of that string, of that wick, and the two wicks naturally separate, and you'll be left with two different wicks. Now, in this case, it does not look like you are creating a new utensil. It looks like you have two lamps, and you're lighting both of them at the same time. It is not clear that you are cutting it in half, and therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, since it's only forbidden with Jabonon, and it's not technically creating a new utensil, in this situation, where it does not appear like you are even doing that, it would be permitted. Mishnah Hey, the Mishnah now brings more examples of Tikkun Mono, of creating utensils. In Shirin Asacheres, it's forbidden to break apart pieces of earthenware, the Inchitzkan Saniyar. One cannot cut a certain form of paper, Litzlitz Bimoliach, to roast a salted fish on top of it. They would wet this earthenware or this form of paper slightly, and they would put it on top of the grill or whatever they were using to roast, and they would put the fish on top of that. And this way the fish wouldn't get burnt, but it would still get cooked by the fire. So even though in general when you just break something, that is not forbidden on Shabbos or Yom Tov, over here, since by breaking the shards, you are doing it for a particular use, and you're going to use it, so it is forbidden, since you are creating a new utensil. Now if the plaster of an oven starts peeling off and it drops onto the floor of the oven, the Eingorfin Tanarichirayim, one may not rake that plaster out and sweep it out of the oven or the stove. Akirayim has space for two different stoves to go on top. So if the plaster starts falling off, one cannot sweep it out, since it's difficult to use the oven whilst the plaster is inside of there. So by getting rid of the plaster, you are making the oven usable. And just like it's forbidden to create a utensil, it's also forbidden to repair a utensil. That also comes under the category of Tikkun Mana. And so that is also forbidden. But it is permitted to push down on ashes or dirt which falls onto the floor of the oven. This is not considered to be a proper repair of the oven. You're just getting rid of some of the dirt on the floor of the oven to make it easier to bake the bread. You're escaping the danger of the bread becoming dirty. But in terms of being able to use the oven, it doesn't make a significant difference. And therefore it does not come under the category, the prohibition of Tikkun Mona. And so it is permitted. Continues the Mishnah with another discussion of ovens. The Imakifen Shtechovyes, it's forbidden to place two barrels near to each other, Lishpe Salein and Sakadera, in order to support the pot on top of those in between them. So you would put two barrels quite close to each other, and the pot would balance on top of those, and you would light a fire between the two barrels underneath that pot. So this is forbidden since it is considered to be like building. You've effectively made two walls and a roof. And so it's similar to building. It is not actually considered to be building, but it is similar, and therefore forbidden with Rabbonon. Continues the Mishnah, One cannot support a pot with a small piece of wood, the same applies to a door. If you want to support a door, you cannot use a small piece of wood to do that, since the wood we are talking about is wood which is designated for firewood. And at least according to this Mishnah, if it is set aside for firewood, then it is muktza for other purposes. You had intention when Yom Tov began to use the wood for a particular purpose. So you can do that. However, for other purposes, it is considered muktza and may not be moved. Alright, last lore of the Mishnah, It is forbidden to lead an animal with a stick on Yom Tov, even if it's an area where you are allowed to carry. 
In general, people would only use sticks to lead animals if they are going on a relatively far distance. So if you start leading the animal with a stick on Yom Tov, it might appear that you are going to the marketplace with the animal. This has nothing to do with the laws of Mukta. It is a separate rabbinic prohibition that it appears as if you are taking the animal to the market, which in most scenarios involves business transactions and is very much a weekday activity, and therefore this is forbidden on Yom Tov Midrabanon. However, Rabbi Elozab Rabbi Shimon Matir, Rabbi Elozab Rabbi Shimon permits this, since he is not concerned that people will assume that he is going to the market and performing weekday activities. And so according to him, this is permitted. Mishnah Vav, in the previous Mishnah, the Tana held that if wood is designated for fueling a fire as firewood, so it is considered to be mukta for everything else. The man's intention is generally only to use it for firewood, and specifically nothing else. We're going to see in our Mishnah that this is not agreed upon by everyone, and again, the focus of this Mishnah are different uses of wood, and in particular, we will see the difference based on location of where the wood is. A man may take small splinters of wood, very small parts of wood which have come off various beams, in order to take things out of his mouth between his teeth, to use it as a toothpick. And one may gather these small pieces of wood even from the courtyard, which is just outside of his house. Even wood which is in the courtyard is considered totally prepared and not considered to be mukta or madlik, and you can use it for firewood. So we see that according to Biliezer, these pieces of wood can, number one, be gathered either from his home or from the courtyard. So even if they're in the courtyard, they are considered to be prepared and not mukta even though they are relatively small pieces, so it would take a while to gather them together. So I might have thought that he wouldn't have had the intention at the beginning of Yom Tov to use those small pieces of wood. Nevertheless, according to Eliezer, that is not true, and since they are in his own courtyard, they are not considered to be mukta, even if the courtyard is shared by other people. That's the first thing we see. The second thing we see is that even though these things are generally used for lighting a fire, they can nevertheless be used for other things as well. One's intention is not to use them only for fueling a fire, but he could also use it as a, to- as a toothpick, or for other uses. So he argues on the previous Mishnah, and in explanation of the first point which we explained, Rebliezer explains, because anything which is in the courtyard is considered to be prepared, and is not mukta, just like if it was in his house itself. However, but the Chachom say, they argue on both points of Rebliezer, and they say that Megabev Meshelafonov, he may only gather wood, these small pieces of wood, from that which is directly in front of him in his own house, but not in the courtyard. That which is in the courtyard is considered to be mukta. It is not prepared and set aside for use yet. And secondly, they say that you can only use it umadlik, you can use it to light a fire with, but you would not be able to use it for other uses, such as a toothpick. So the Chachom over here agree with the previous Mishnah that something whose general use is for firewood, is designated only for that, and unless he had explicit intention to use it for something else, it is considered set aside only for firewood, and is muktzah for any other use.